to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And this week we are doing the most important of the Patrick Swayze movies in our summer of Swayze. It's Dirty Dancing. Cool your jets over there. It's the best one. We're covering it's some the very best one. important movies. No, it's the best one. Spending the summer at a Catskills resort with her family, Frances' baby houseman falls in love with the camp's dance instructor, Johnny Castle. Okay, so... We're doing this movie for a couple reasons, but the most important one is our very good friends and our Patreon supporters picked this as one of our movies that we should do. And who are those people, David? Uh, that'd be Jen and Micah from I Never Saw That. Yay! Yay! Hi! Oh, I've been over here like trying to stay quiet and it's so hard <laughs> because I just wanted to say, I just wanted to agree with you, Diana. This movie is the Swayze. Movie. It, it is the Swayze. It's the yeah, Swayziest. It's the Swayziest for sure. If people didn't already love him or think he was attractive, it happened here. Yep. This is where it happened. I can see David over there disagreeing. That's fine. It's I'm okay. not disagreeing. I'm trying to think. Okay. And Just I, thinking. I, okay. No, you're right. Yeah. If he was not already on your radar, yeah. He'd, he'd, exactly. he'd been doing some TV. And, you know, he had been in some movies. If he was not on your radar yet, this is where you're like, oh, damn. This is definitely movie star Swayze. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, and because the out I know you guys just did The Outsiders. Did The Outsiders come out before this? Just yes. before oh, yeah. this? Yeah. Yes. Outsiders comes out in 83. Red Dawn comes out in 1984. Right. Even then, Swayze's yeah. not the focal point of those movies, or at right. least movie exactly. star wise. He's, exactly. he's the big brother character in those movies. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He he's the heartthrob eye candy. <laughs> Hell yeah. He's also it's... kind of an older brother figure in this movie. Um, no, in never Dirty Dance? Yeah, a little, a little, a little <laughs> bit to Penny. That's true. Yeah. I know. He yeah. just has that big brother quality. Yeah. <laughs> he has that I'm going to take care of you quality. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> I love it. Aside from our amazing guests, the other reason we're watching this is that David hasn't seen it. And this movie was released on... Um, the exact day David was born. Uh huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so from, from now on, I will say that David is dirty dancing years old. That is how old David is. <laughs> That's true. Legitimately. I, that is amazing. I'm so honored to be talking about your birth movie with you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a completely different movie. Yeah. That sounds like he was born at home in a hot tub and <laughs> somebody had a camcorder. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. It does sound like a movie, a video of your birth, but yes. but <laughs> there's no Swayze oh in that one. So. But yeah, but it wouldn't be worth watching, Pat <laughs> unless Patrick Swayze was in it. Then I would yeah, watch exactly. it. Yeah. Was he there? David? Swayze was there. Did he happen to be there at your birth? We'll never know. I know you guys have your thing you're gonna get into here, but just quickly, I want to say. How also excited I am to be talking about a movie that I have seen like a million times and that someone else has never seen because it's like the opposite of what we do on our podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about that. It's usually you being forced to watch something you haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm so excited. And I've only seen this movie two times now. Right. Jen wow. showed it to me for me. my first time mm -hmm. when I was, I don't know, probably an 30. Adult. Yeah, and an adult. Yeah, so this was the <laughs> second time I've watched it. And I do have to say, I have to give Jen a compliment because she did not quote every single word of the movie when we watched it earlier today. <laughs> That's awesome. I deserve that. She was showing a lot of restraint. I, I deserve that. <laughs> 
So, Jen, you love this movie. Why do you love it? Oh, girl. Um, <laughs> we already covered this. Swayze. No, it's not. Swayze. It's actually not just Swayze. He's a really I mean, important part of the movie, and that's totally valid. Well, I mean, are you asking why I love it now or why I loved it as a kid? Both. Both. I mean, okay, as a kid, I think I was mostly focused on the love story part of it. And I didn't see it when it came out. It was, you know, a few years later. But there was something... The whole dirty dancing aspect of it was really was sort of looking for. It just felt kind of exciting. Like my friend, my closest friend from childhood and I used to watch it like down in the basement without our parents and we would imitate the moves, you know, the dance, the dirty <laughs> Like you know moves. you would not be allowed to do this, so it's enjoyable yeah, to watch. That, yeah, it's, exactly. It's like age appropriate porn almost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That is kind of how it felt. It was like this is dirty. I'm not supposed to be watching this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I loved it then for that. And I love it now. I was so happy when we watched it today to discover how much I still love it because it is a really, really great story about classism. And also it's funnier than I remembered. And fucking the dancing in it is just The dancing is amazing. I love any movie with dancing. Yeah, and do. it's so good. Including yeah. all the step ups. I enjoy them. <laughs> I have not seen I have not seen any of those. But let's be clear, Channing Tatum is a sexy man who can dance, so if you are a man and need to figure out how to show people how attractive you are, learn to dance. Hell yeah. Learn to dance. Any man who can dance is hot. And I do have to say we haven't mentioned her at all yet, but Jennifer Gray. Oh, yeah. I have lots of things to say about her. Yeah. People talk about Swayze in this movie. He's a great dancer, obviously. She just hands down had the most amazing performance, I think, in this movie, dancing and acting and all of it. She's amazing in this film. And when I think about her, I just think of in her character in this movie, I just think, oh, she floats. She just floats hmm. in the best oh, way. That's, that's a nice. Yeah. Yeah. You can. I can get down with that. Yeah. And she also floats. At times to the detriment of her character. Well, that's okay. Which is good in terms of the story we're telling. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I was going to ask David what what his thoughts were having seen this only once. (laughs) Yes, David, please. So I am going to be a bit critical of this movie. What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm shocked when we get into the details. (laughs) But up front, I'm going to say... I adore it, and that's why I'm going to be critical of it. That's okay. Oh, okay. I do think it's a really good movie. I was immediately sucked in the second we got to the dirty dancing scene, partly because Mm -hmm. it's hot as fuck, Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. because it is such a transcendent seems like too strong of a word, but it does kind of feel that way. Mm -hmm. It's this moment where you're going, whoa, I was not ready to go there. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting us to go this far in the idea of what we were going to explore with this Mm -hmm. movie. I was really expecting more of a Footloose style story because culturally that's what we've been given to expect from this movie. Right. The two get tied together a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There's nothing wrong with Footloose, but it's a completely different movie. It's, it's way dumber. <laughs> Let's say this. It holds up. Oh, of course. The movie holds I, up. I am very, very pleasantly, yes. happily, not surprised, but just relieved at how well it ho- holds up. Yes. yes, I agree. And I do think it captures, especially in the beginning, like I love the opening scene. 
It feels very 1963. Yeah, but it's also the feeling of the movie, the narration. I typically don't like narration in films sometimes because it's used as a crutch a lot of times. And, and I think in this one, it's just a couple lines of narration. But Jennifer Grey keeps that. She has this interesting, like, detached observer role in a lot of the film. And it fits with that coming-of-age narration story. You know she's retelling the story, and I got that feeling throughout the whole film. It's, it's like it's happening in her mind, in a way. And that allowed me to get over some of the <laughs> things that we will talk about later. All right, well, some, some money things. It had a budget of $6 million, and its cumulative worldwide gross was $170 million. It was the top rental video of 1988. Yeah. And it was the oh. first film to sell a million <laughs> copies on home video. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. On VHS, probably? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, we had a copy yes. of VHS. I was not allowed to watch it. <laughs> a copy of that and Pretty yeah. Woman my mother kept in her room. I was not allowed to watch them. I also was not allowed to watch Dirty Dancing because, and I don't, I don't think I realize this until today but obviously because dirty dancing i mean it's a sex movie <laughs> micah can't watch that he's the baby and yeah abortion yeah. plays a big role and i think yeah. um i probably was deemed not ready for that topic was the catholic church pissed about this movie it doesn't say they were going after clearasil to be a sponsor because they were trying to aim this movie at teenagers right and they pulled out because they wouldn't cut the abortion thing Oh, really? Oh, wow. One of the cool things is this movie is considered the gold standard for abortion storylines. Wow. Because hmm. Penny's abortion is, she is not demonized for it. Right. And the focus is on her health and her True. maintaining her ability to have children in the future. And then she doesn't regret it afterwards. No. Which is always huge to me. Like, she knows it was the right thing to do. Our writer is Eleanor Begstein. Before this, she did a movie called It's My Turn. And then after this, she did a movie called Let It Be Me. And that's it. Okay. Huh. She, this is largely based on her own history. She went to the Catskills during the 60s with her family. She was called Baby. Her father Whoa. was a doctor. She was named after somebody with, you know, ties to the administration in her Eleanor uh -huh. Roosevelt is who she's named after. And uh -huh. she learned how to dirty dance at house parties. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> I had no idea this was like based on someone's actual life. That's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. it's a memoir, basically. It's a I little, love it's a little, that. It's a little autobiographical. That's, you know, yeah. I, I don't know too much about whether or not there was a real Johnny in her life, but I have to assume there was a little romance going on from time to time. Yeah. Please. Yeah. All right. So what do we think about the writing itself? <sighs> Story-wise, it's great. Yep. It's a simple story. Mm -hmm. You you worry that the abortion's gonna be the plot device solely, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It is an integral part of the story, an important part of the story that then leads into baby's involvement in dancing. Right. And mm -hmm. it doesn't feel forced. Yeah. No, no so, it really doesn't at all. It's interesting. The pacing of the film is interesting because it yes. moves along pretty quickly. And it's it does feel at times like, oh, this is the big conflict in the film. Oh, nope. It's just something they wanted to bring up. And it's something that is going to move the story forward. But they don't dwell on it. And it doesn't feel no, artificial or forced. You're and right. it's not ignored and either. And then it moves on. Um, 
Yeah. I think also right. in terms of story, one thing that I really noticed in this watch was the way that they address classism. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's a little too on the nose. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of like telling, not showing. But at the same time, I love mm-hmm. like with Penny's whole storyline, I love the way they use Robbie as this sort of bridge between worlds. Like he's trying to fuck Lisa, you know, the older the older sister and has gotten Penny pregnant. But he's the one that the father sees as worthy of his daughter because of his station in life, you know, and and mm-hmm. yeah. And also when he's not working at this uh country club resort he's going to med school so he right exactly so he just happened like so during the summer he's a working guy but during the rest of the time he's one of the you know more elite people and so he's 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 going back and forth between those worlds and he's being a jerk about it dude yeah he is a prep school kid he's the store he is the brett kavanaugh he's a brett kavanaugh of the world you know what (laughs) i mean like for real yeah for real like that's what that kid is and people who treat him that way he's always been treated like he deserves whatever he wants his character feels a little little, i mean of course he's one-dimensional but just the audacity to say that one line he has where he says like some people count some people don't read it i think it's a book you'll enjoy but make sure you return it i have notes in the margin you make me sick stay away from me stay away from my sister or i'll have you fired and he's saying this to the younger sister of a girl he's trying to sleep with who knows that he slept with someone else and got her pregnant and abandoned her. <laughs> like, Because baby doesn't matter. That's, that's really what it is. Yeah, and because he gets yep. whatever he wants, and he can do whatever yeah. he wants. That could feel on the nose, but now that we've seen that in the public eye sometimes, <laughs> that yeah. is it true. feels very, very true. That, yeah. It may not have... It may not Wait, have these people felt still that exist? It may yeah. like not this? have been as on the nose at the time, yeah. But I just love, too, the stark contrast between him and Johnny. (laughs) Because Johnny has this honor and pride and, like, the way he... I will start crying right now talking about this. I the Their relationship, Johnny and Penny's relationship, is Mm -hmm. my fucking favorite thing in the world. It's It's, just the sweetest thing because you assume assume it's romantic and it's just, this is my person who I love. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's an actual non-romantic relation yeah. like beautiful friendship yep uh, i oh god and I we just... put the kibosh on it so quick yeah we walk yeah. into that dance scene oh, and they're I dancing they're yeah. such good friends and they know each other so well that there's this incredible Their sexual tension and chemistry just... between them yeah and they're dancing especially the dirty dancing they mm-hmm. do is very sexual oh yeah but oh, they're yeah. so comfortable with each other that they can do that. There is one issue that I have with the story, and that okay. is that I don't feel like Baby's parents are involved enough. Mm. Uh, we should mm. have had more mom. I think we had enough dad, but we should have had more mom. Mom yeah. was a very one-dimensional character. Yeah. She's just there so that we know she's not dead. That's kind of it. <laughs> yep. That's, that's her job. We have such a good actress to play her. Oh, no! Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
I thought that her role really existed as a contrast to the father. Like she was supposed to be like she and Lisa Lisa. are similar Mm -hmm. because they are superficial and shallow and they like pretty things. And then baby and her dad are the deep thinking, you know, change the world types. That's what I thought was that it literally, I I thought it was literally that. Yeah. Yeah. I could have done with more Marge and less Lisa. Yes. And I just put together that their names are Marge and Lisa. Oh yeah. That's funny. There's something off about the balance in what's going on outside of Baby and Johnny. I feel like we linger a lot with them when we could use some of the other characters to push the plot forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some of it may be that point that we brought that it it feels like a memoir. It feels like a more natural take. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that's to the detriment of a movie that moves forward. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just drags. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't feel like it was dragging when I watched it this time, but I do think some of that is because it's from her perspective. So yeah. having more of the parents involved wouldn't have made sense. True. Um, you but know- they do feel like typical parents mm-hmm. in a way. Like they're not very, the dad comes around and does have like, he grows and changes, he has good but moments. it's kind of all mm-hmm. predictable. Like, you know where that story is going and it's not a huge part of the oh god but story i fucking love the scene where she's telling him how much he let her down mm-hmm. because of what he said his values were mm. i'm sorry i lied to you but you lied too you told me everyone was alike and deserved a fair break but you meant everyone who was like you told me you wanted me to change the world, make it better. But you meant by becoming a lawyer or an economist and marrying someone from Harvard. I'm not proud of myself, but I'm in this family too and you can't keep giving me the silent treatment. As opposed to how... That is a really good scene. Yeah, I just... Their relationship, I thought, was pretty well... I mean, he he just sits there and takes it and cries. Right. Here's here's where I get a problem. We we have this whole classism aspect, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. parents never get involved. We never get no. their take on that and where they fit into that circle. Yeah. And we never get also all the stuff with the camp. I don't get how they fit into this except for offhand comments, which unless you're paying really close attention, you will miss. I don't f- yeah. fig- I don't feel like they fit into this structure or how they do. Mm-hmm. And I wanted some context for that mm-hmm. so that when they do have these moments, it feels a little more natural. We should have cut all the stuff with her and the owner's son. Oh, my oh. God. Oh, fucking Neil. We could have yeah. cut all of that and had more yeah. like the family's playing badminton yeah. together. The family's doing yeah. this. To, like that stuff. This gets into a writing thing of there are too many subplots going on with baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple. And... Doing some rearranging mm-hmm. and consolidating some stuff, cutting out some extra characters that we don't need would yeah. help us streamline the story. Well, you you do need a couple of those extra characters because you have to also you're also telling what's going on with Johnny. That's true. Like you have to understand mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. Moneybags lady, like she she's basically using Johnny as a hooker. Right, but mm-hmm. like and mm-hmm. that oh that old lady she's stealing from everybody <laughs> but it's not eating up yeah it that much of our our screen time correct. true it's just providing context my biggest problem with the writing was they fall back on something that really frustrates me 
about a lot of stories when there's a simple misunderstanding oh God, that yeah. drives the whole plot forward <laughs> that could be fixed with one By sentence. someone telling, yeah. yeah. It's my least favorite thing in any and story. And there are several opportunities for someone to say it without any repercussions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. You just need to explain Johnny has nothing to do with Penny's pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, and then, but... But it would ruin half the movie. <laughs> it, it, it would take away some tension that we need here. Yeah. I, I do feel like this story is perfectly fine ripping that out of it. I yes. Do. You don't need that yeah. there. There's yeah. a way yeah. to tell the story without having, with that tension being broken very quickly. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the real tension being, I'm dating this guy who's a dance instructor who is yep. not from the same class as me and my dad does not like it. <laughs> because right. that There's is enough the other real conflict tension. there. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 All right, let's move on to our director. It's Emil Ardolino. Uh, bef- hmm. He has he's done a lot of dance stuff before this. Oh. He he filmed Barishnikov at the White House. When hell freezes <laughs> over, I'll skate. Great performances, dance in America, which is like a little series that was on I think PBS a while Sounds ago. Right. Uh, okay. He did the Rumpelstiltskin episode of Fairytale Theater. Oh my god! Okay. Yeah, Fairytale <laughs> okay. Theater is amazing, and I love it so much with all my heart. It is creepy as hell For some- now. Reason I have seen that Rumpelstiltskin. You have. I have. It's creepy. As very hell. creepy memories. Oh of it. man, that story is so. You creepy You just already. brought me back to a very dark. Time <laughs> of my life. I'm sorry. Let's fix it. I um, blocked that out. After this, he did Chances Are, Three Men and a Little Lady, Sister oh, Act. Okay. Hmm. And he directed the Nutcracker with Macaulay Culkin, and then he also did the TV movie version of Gypsy with Bette Midler. Wow. His big thing with this movie was he was only going to cast people who could actually dance mm-hmm. because of what happened with Flashdance a few years earlier. Oh. Because the body, the body doubles were horrible. That's like, <laughs> like it's it's just a nightmare. It's so bad. Yeah. He didn't want that. And his other big thing was that he encouraged the actors and actresses to improvise, and he kept the camera rolling a lot. Oh. So, mm. so, some of the best sequences in this movie were not scripted. So the nice. whole the, that whole sequence where Johnny's getting frustrated with baby and he's putting his, her arm above him and she's tickling uh-huh. him and he's mad. Mm. That's really happening. She Aww. was exhausted and she started getting ticklish and Patrick was furious with her because he just wanted to get it done. And they're like, this is hilarious. So they just kept <laughs> oh, filming it. I love that. And the lover boy scene in the studio. That was oh, all improv. God, the best. They were mm. goof. That is so freaking sexy. And they were both just goofing around. That I have heard. And I fucking love that scene so much. It's one of the best. Yeah. I really appreciate that the dancers all knew how to dance. Mm-hmm. I, yes. Because watching Johnny and Penny dance together mm-hmm. is magical. I mean, yes. I, I love it. It's so amazing. And then and all the people doing the dirty dancing. Mm-hmm are also legitimately good dancers. So, uh, yeah, I definitely, I notice that now and appreciate it. Oh, yeah. If they had been bad dancers, it would have pulled you out of it. Oh, man. Yeah. It would have been, it'd be a totally different movie. Yeah. This is a gorgeous film. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Shockingly it, so for the period. It, it looks so natural and soft. Yeah, it doesn't look like yeah, an 80s it's movie. It's very interesting. A lot of the choices they made, I think... I read something about this and I probably wouldn't have noticed it if I hadn't read it, but the hair isn't exactly right for the time period. Mm. Like yeah. the hair is kind of That's big eighties hair and there's mm-hmm. a lot of feathering that wasn't going on in the sixties. She has some keds on in one yeah. scene. 
that are prominently featured, which I think is weird. Yeah. Because that's so obvious. Yeah. And <laughs> but other than that, just like the cinematography, it does feel very nostalgic mm-hmm. and it fits. Yeah, like that summertime summer camp feel. I don't yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't have that is- overly glossy eighties feel and the way it's edited feels a little different too the only scene i don't quite buy is the final dance oh Mm -hmm. dude it's the worst part of the whole fucking movie and i think it's a great sequence don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. but first of all i hate the fact that they made the choice to integrate the new songs yeah as though they were out in the period Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thank you i i will say that last song is very very close to sounding period appropriate. I didn't feel that way, but I you can see that they're trying at least. The soul style and stuff like that. There's an arrangement of time of my life that could work as being 1963. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you change the instruments a little bit, maybe. I I guess maybe I just know it as such an 80s song that it's like impossible for me to hear it that way. You can't divorce it from the 80s in any way. You just can't. And it makes me angry. And it's not just that song. They do it for every mm-hmm. single one of the songs that were made specifically for the movie. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it well. They did not do that no, scene no. well at but all. At the end, it all goes out the window. And it's like, wait, he's lip syncing to this? This is not, this doesn't match any, oh my God, yeah. I was so angry. And then there's a flash mob. Right. And, and then it's a musical the all of a sudden where everyone, I, yeah. it's. <laughs> but it looks so good though. It does. I know, it does. It does. I mean, I, I do love it. I love all of them dancing, but that, I'm so with you, David. That song almost ruins this beautiful movie for me. It is a thing on, on the one hand, it is hokey as hell. On the other yes, hand, it I is a wonderful, care. cathartic moment. <laughs> it's wonderful. Moment. It is. No, it's really beautiful. It, it is. And here's what I will say. If I rewatch this, mm-hmm. I will totally be okay with it the second time around. Yeah. The first time seeing it, it throws me the hell off. Yeah. Knowing it and knowing what to expect, mm-hmm. I will be fine with that again because I'm going to mm-hmm. go in knowing that's there. Mm-hmm. And also the other thing that caught me was, <sighs> yes, that's it, it all is obnoxious and over the top. And yet when we single focus in on Swayze and Jennifer Grey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't oh, care because the chemistry is so good. We would be remiss if we didn't. All, we don't. We don't usually talk about choreographers, but we have a choreographer that's a really yeah. big fucking deal for this movie. Oh, Hell yeah. yeah, it's Kenny Ortega. Now, some people don't know who Kenny Ortega is. That's I fine. Uh, you have seen his work. He was trained and got his big break helping out Gene Kelly <gasps> on Xanadu. What? Yeah, that's wow. Kenny Ortega. He does a lot of this stuff he went on to direct newsies oh funny mm. hocus okay. pocus oh weird a ton of tv he did a lot of gilmore girls which is fun because uh-huh. of kelly bishop yeah uh-huh. he did bunheads as well he's done crazy ex-girlfriend he's done two of the descendants movies that makes sense okay and he will be doing the recently announced dirty dancing there's gonna be another one what A remake? wait wait yes it was, it was just announced all right, let's go to our cast. Woo. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to start with Jennifer Grey's Baby Houseman, or Francis Baby Houseman. Oh. Before this, she was in a movie called Reckless, Red Dawn, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Hey, we talked about mm-hmm. Red Dawn. We did. It was all right. She's After <laughs> this, she was not in a lot. Nope. Mm-hmm. She did no. some TV bits. She played Mindy on Friends. She was the first Mindy. She was later recast as somebody else. 
And then she was on a TV show called It's Like, You Know, where she played a version of oh. herself. Oh, God. And oh. I, I remember that show and them just making fun of the fact that she had gotten a nose job a lot. That was the majority uh, of the show. Oh, God. She's done voices on Phineas and Ferb. And then she's got a movie coming out. So. Watching this movie this time, I had mad appreciation for her in a way that I don't think I don't think I've focused on her in quite that way before. She is so funny in this movie. She she is. has fucking amazing comedic timing and it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. It is so all the funny moments in this movie are because of her. Fully because she's so earnest in the best way and innocent yeah. and a little bit mm-hmm. naive and dumb but not in a bad way but just in that she's 18 and she's not been around right. different people. It, right. It's totally perfect. And she also there's also like a sneaky sort of dry something in there mm-hmm. too you know like there's a scene with neil and fucking neil yes i would be fine <laughs> if they just cut all of him but the the scene where they're outside and he's like i love watching your hair blow in the wind or whatever fucking <laughs> oh, bullshit she is he's so saying. indifferent to him oh it's she so just funny. rolls her eyes oh so robbie comes by with lisa yeah. and he says something mean to her or whatever and um oh i know what it is she's like i would like an apology and he says something like, maybe you'll see, get one in your dreams. And you know no, that she's talking about how he probably mm-hmm. tried to force her to have sex with mm-hmm. him. But anyway, Neil's like, I'm sorry you had to see that. Sometimes in this life, we have to see things we don't want to see. And she's looking at him. And I never got that joke before. That she is looking at something she does not want to see. Yeah. And the expression on her face is fantastic. And I, it's such a, uh, yeah, she's great. So that's what I have to say about that. She was 27 at the time of filming, so she was 10 years older than her character. She had a really short audition, like, time frame. She only had five minutes to to prove to them that she could play younger and that she could dance enough for them. Okay. We do have some who could have been better. Uh-huh. Sarah Jessica Parker. No. Mindy Mindy Cohn (laughs) and Sharon Stone. Sharon Hmm. Stone. Hmm. Who's Mindy Cohn? Mindy Cohn was Facts of Life. Oh. Oh. Mindy Cone. She played Natalie. Oh, okay. That would be interesting. It would have been interesting. And I, I, I like I like the look of that actress for this role. Right. As opposed to like a Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Yes. Just, no. Just no. Also Jennifer Grey. <laughs> Jennifer Grey. I mean, that's she the wins. thing. She's just, she's so perfect. Yeah, I don't like any of those very much. Yep. Nope. Nope. It's Jennifer Grey. Next, we have Patrick Swayze as Johnny Castle. Johnny Before Castle. This. What a great yeah. name. Go ahead and try to name people who would be better. Come on. Oh, you want to know who could who auditioned? <laughs> Billy Zane was the, was oh. the front runner. He was the Ooh. front runner. Yeah. Can he dance? Like really dance? I don't know. Because I feel like you have to be a classically trained dancer to do this role. Yeah. I like me some Billy Zane sometimes, but yeah. no way. Billy Zane, too pretty. Too, too pretty, pretty too movie. goofy. And yeah. the confidence, he has the, the confidence, but it's cockiness. It's yeah. different than with Swayze. An 80s Billy Zane, not now Billy Zane. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, Val Kilmer was offered the role, but he oh, declined. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Thank God is right. That would have been horrible. I can't imagine I mean, Val I Kilmer just... dancing for some reason. No, I can't either. Val Kilmer and Swayze, like, butt oh. heads all the time. Patrick Swayze's agent told him not to do this. They, huh. they said, no, don't do it. 
And he he liked the story because he liked that there was a lot more depth to Johnny. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a mm-hmm. tough guy or you know, he, he had layers. So he wanted to do that. He was offered six million dollars to reprise his role in a sequel. And he said no. Oh. Really? He also wore a girdle to look younger and thinner. <laughs> that makes <laughs> sense. I mean, it kind of makes sense in some of those high-waisted pants to help True. get those yeah. lines. Yeah, those I are, would, yeah, it makes sense. Those like, are very high-waisted pants. Hey, ladies have been wearing <laughs> Spanx for years. No judgment to a dude who's like, I want to look good, too. There's also that element of, like, he's kind of a buff jacked dude to get him to be more of a, a skinnier slimmer, yeah. dancer guy. It's a a slender, mm-hmm. yeah. It kind of makes sense. He did insist on doing all his own stunts, which is pretty normal for Swayze. That's Swayze. He kept falling off the log during that scene. <gasps> oh, God. And he injured his knee so badly he had to have fluid drained. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. And that came back to hurt him later in his next Ooh. movies. Oh, no. That's terrible. That scene does make me very anxious. And Micah actually <laughs> commented on it this time, too. Like, if they fell, if they actually fell, they would really hurt themselves. And I guess. Yeah, uh, it's a yeah. terrible teaching technique. No, it's, it's yeah. not very good. <laughs> Balance, I get, but still. Yeah. We have a couple days uh, to get you to learn this routine and learn how to dance. Let's put your lot. life in danger uh, on top of it. He had to convince Jennifer Grey to be in this movie because they did not get along during Red Dawn. Interesting. Oh, really? No, not at all. They were able to to get along enough for their screen test and they were okay, but then they just started fighting every scene and this became a big huh. problem on set. So to address this fact, Eleanor Bergstein, the writer and the director, Emil Ardolino, they mm-hmm. took them both and forced them to watch their screen test. Hmm. And oh. like they're like, you need to see the kind of chemistry you have when you just worked together. And they were able to calm down and get back to work without any well, problems. That's interesting. That is, yeah, that's surprising for sure. Yeah. Because they're both such nice, likable people from like everything right. I've seen. So I find yeah. it interesting that they would just not get along and i could see jennifer gray being a actory type actor mm-hmm. okay, and swayze yeah. so type a uh-huh. from all we've heard about him he seemed like a genuinely good dude but also very high strung and yeah, intense yeah. Mm-hmm. and if you weren't on top of it he might go off on you mm-hmm. yeah i could see that yeah yeah i i I respect that. I appreciate people like, let's get in, let's get our work done, let's go home. Uh-huh. Next, we have Jerry Orbach as Jake Houseman. Oh, man. Okay. Mm. This is one of his first, like, real big movie roles. Before mm-hmm. this, he's a Broadway guy. He was in the original um. cast of Annie Get Your Gun, the original cast of 42nd Street. Oh. Promises, promises. He is the original Billy Flynn in Chicago. Yep. Oh, This really? man is a Broadway freaking legend. Yeah. After this, he was on Murder, She Wrote. He is Lumiere in Beauty <laughs> and the Beast, which blew my mind as a child to be like, the dude on Law and Order uh-huh. is Lumiere. That's I did him. not know that either. He is doing that wow. French accent. He is fluent in French. That is something he can do. So that's interesting that he's a Broadway guy and he took a role in this dance movie, but ha- doesn't dance at all. Yeah. Does he? he there's, there's, there's one scene where he's dancing with... Marge, I think. Yeah. Maybe two. Just not, I wouldn't really call it dancing. It's what I do. Dancing, sort of. Yeah. (laughs) Standard wedding dancing. (laughs) I really like him in this role. I don't. I love Jerry Orbach. As one dimensional as that character is written, Jerry Orbach is the reason why it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Because 
he does not make it feel one dimensional. No. He's a conflicted dad. That's what it Mm -hmm. is. And that's okay. He is an upper middle class guy in a very rich world. Maybe. And he's conflicted about how he feels about that. I think you're right about that for sure. And all of that is because of Jerry Orbach's performance. Hmm. It's not on the script at all. Agreed. But he, yeah, he's very soulful about mm-hmm. it too. Like, yeah. He's he's just amazing. He's Jerry freaking Orbach. We yep. love him. <laughs> Next, we have Cynthia Rhodes as Penny Johnson. Before this, she was in Flashdance. She was in Toto's Rosanna music video, uh, the Bee Gees music video for The Woman in You, the movie Staying Alive and Runway. After this, she was in The Cursed of the Crystal Eye. And that's it. She really hmm. didn't do much. Hmm. Well, she's a dancer. She's a, she's a dancer. And she was married to Richard Marks for a little while. Yeah, oh, I did right. not Which know that. Which totally makes sense. <laughs> she's just such a dancer, and it's so apparent in this movie. I love her in this, especially for being someone who really, you know, wasn't acting all that much. She's just the exact right tone for the character, especially against uh, Jennifer Grey. Yes, she's amazing. We always love a non-actor who punches above their... What you would expect. Yes. Yes. She's she's fucking wonderful. I love her. She's really, really good. Mm -hmm. The crew had to make her up to look really bad in her agony scene because she was too beautiful without makeup on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That makes sense. Oh. And she is the one who asked the writer to write the scene where Penny tells Baby that she doesn't sleep around. Mm, which I loved that scene, too. I think too. was very important. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was her ask. Next, we have Kelly Bishop as Marjorie Houseman. Before this, she was in An Unmarried Woman, O'Hara's Wife, and then a couple little TV spots here and there. After this, she went on to be on the TV series The Thorn. She was in Six Degrees of Separation, Miami Rhapsody, Wonder Boys, Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. Mercy TV, <laughs> Bunheads, The Art of Falling in Love, which is a TV movie that's coming out soon. She's phenomenal. She's an amazing actress. There's hardly any of her in this, but I she's know. great. And there should yeah. be a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> there, there should have been a lot more of her. Because she does get the moment of sit down. I yes, love that. that was great. And had Very we had more good. of her, I feel like we would have seen that. That she seems mm-hmm. superficial, but she's not. She's still seeing mm-hmm. what's going on there. Yeah. Well, and she understands her daughters. Even if she is into fashion and makeup and clothes with her one daughter, she knows her daughters. Yep. And she knows mm-hmm. that challenge, mm-hmm. which he doesn't understand. She's also really funny in the very small mm-hmm. parts she has in this. Like yes. when they're out on the golf course, I found that part really funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, also, also just, just her, her like one line, like I think she gets it from me. From me. Yeah, the dance. Yeah, it's funny. Yes. Yeah, she's it's just funny. precious. All right. Next we have our Arpons, our random people of note. Jack Weston as Max Kellerman. That dude's been everything since the time he was mm-hmm. born till he passed away. Yeah. yeah. Wait until dark. Thomas Crown Affair. Short Circuit 2. Those are the important ones. <laughs> that I know of anyways. Short Circuit 2. Short yep, Circuit that's 2. That's the highlight. That needs to be on the It's list. a really important movie in my life for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you actually know who this He's a big deal because of who he is. Charles Honey Coles, who plays Tito. The uh, yeah. the orchestra leader. He's a famous tap dancer. He's in the Tap Hall of Fame. Okay, I figured he must be somebody. Yeah, just another dance connection. He's a he's a he's yeah. a big mm-hmm. dance deal. And then we have Wayne Knight as Stan, the bad comedian. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's right. 
Good lord. He popped up. I was like, Wayne Knight. Newman's in this movie? Yep. I love it. He has a great role. He just gets to be goofy and annoying as Wayne Knight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's perfect. He's the Catskills guy, but he inserts himself into literally everything. Yes. (laughs) Perfect casting. Yep. Yeah. Can we talk about Lisa? A little bit? Yes, we can. Because her singing was... <laughs> okay, that's Jane Bruckner. Oh, man. She was on One Life to Live before this. Didn't do a whole oh. lot after. The one thing about her that we have trivia for is that she wrote the Hulahana song. <laughs> what? But Amazing. She, she had to fight to get credit for having written that song. Oh. She did not get it until 2002. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Who's this hula-hana of Kraman? I want a hula She will hula when you have a love that gives she wants you'll hear her say. Bring me a pineapple that doesn't sing a bright That song is horrible. That's hilarious. It is, and she sings it horribly, too. Oh, so yes. badly. It's kind of funny. I do kind of love the caricature of like thinking you're really good at something that you're horrible yes. at. Yes. That's, mm-hmm. that's always kind of fun. Just all of her lines like, but daddy, and miss the show, but daddy, I was going to sing in the show. Yeah, daddy? Lisa's kind of a bummer until they connect at the end because they're mm-hmm. both you know, broken hearted or whatever, but mm-hmm. I, w- I would have liked to see more of that for yes. sure. Like, I think there just should have been more interaction between them, like them being really annoyed yeah. and like bitchy at each other. Mm-hmm. And then that yeah. way when her sister comforts her and is like, I can do your hair, yeah. but you know, you look the best when you're just yourself. Like, yes. which is really sweet. It would have had a little it bit is. more of like, oh, they're sisters. All right. It's time to get to awards. Awards? Ooh. Yes. We love to talk about the Oscars. And this film was nominated for an Oscar. Was it? Best original song. Of course. Time mm-hmm. of my oh, life. Fuck off! Really? <laughs> it was okay. nominated. Um, Separated from the movie. Okay, it's, it's a good. I song. know. Okay, okay, fine. It oh, was still, but like not choreography or cinematography nope. or nope. Well, choreography, okay. unfortunately, is choreography yeah. is not an Academy Award. It is a Tony, which there should be. Huh. That's a whole different argument, David. And I have a yeah. lot <laughs> yeah. of the different categories that should exist for films. It's true. <gasps> this song was nominated against Shakedown from Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh my god. Cry Freedom from Cry Freedom. Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now from Mannequin. And Storybook Love from The Princess Bride. <laughs> Mannequin Aww. got an Oscar nomination. I freaking love Mannequin. That movie is amazing. That's great. I want that one to win really bad, but was it Princess Bride? What one? Dirty Dancing. What? Wow. Oh, they won? Oh, they won? <laughs> yes, they did. They won the Oscar for Best Original I'm Song. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. Okay. I'm with <laughs> us <fine>. now. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Wow. I wonder if Swayze was mad that he didn't get the Oscar for his song. All right, David. What? Talk to us about the music. Oh, boy. Dancing. Wait, I got, I got soundtrack stuff to talk about? Yeah, the soundtrack's <laughs> a big freaking deal. It's a it big yeah. freaking deal. Holy cuss, is mm-hmm. it a big deal, y'all? And it's really enjoyable. And there's a lot to talk about with it. I'm going to try and go quick with this. Released in 1987 with the coincides with the movie. Sure. Worldwide, this has sold 32 million copies. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best-selling albums of all time. Wow. The original. Now, there are two soundtrack releases that came out of the movie. There was Dirty Dancing mm-hmm. and More uh-huh. Dirty Dancing. Now, mm-hmm. they've repackaged it and As put it all thing. together 
every song in one full package for anniversary uh-huh. editions. That's stuff. obnoxious. Which you also get all of the crappy interstitial music. Bye. Some of it's good, but some of it's real good. Oh. So. <laughs> I kind of hate all that. Oh, yeah. Spent 18 weeks at the number one of the Billboard 200. More Dirty Dancing actually came out in 88, and that was a critical flop. Because oh, while okay. the actual 60s songs were great, most critics went, all of these instrumentals are god-awful. Why did you put mm. this out? Why did you bother printing this <laughs> on a thing? Like, just put a, just put all the 60 songs on one. But they had a bunch of singles they were trying to get out. No one is buying the soundtrack to this movie to listen to the fucking score. Like, that's... No. You're buying the soundtrack for those songs. That's Exactly. Well, unless you want to dance to the merengue bit, which is not bad. It's it's not bad, but eh. I know. I know. It's very it's a standard merengue bit. All right, so we're going to go we're going to go in order here of how they appear in the movie and I've cut out all the instrumentals and random shit. Okay. So I've only got the songs that were hits before and I've got the songs that were released brand new as part of this. Okay. We start with Be My Baby by the Ronettes. Such mm-hmm. a good so song. Appropriate. James had an argument about this versus another song on this soundtrack on track meet. Really? <laughs> yes. oh. oh, yeah. Okay. I just listened to that recently. Know, yeah. It was great. Released 1963. It is the first Ronette single Phil Spector put out. Yes, Phil Spector is a garbage human, but my God, did he make some wonderful music. Mm-hmm. There's a reason he had so much money. The song peaked at number two on the Hot 100 in the US. It peaked at number four on UK and was the number 45 top-selling single of 1963, Hmm. selling 2.5 million copies in total. It has apparently been played 3.9 million different venues, including film, TV. If you played it all together, how many times it's been played in various things, it would play 17 years back-to-back. What Damn. It's a great song. It's an amazing song. What? Wow. Next up, Big Girls Don't Cry by Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. That song is so good. Though every time I hear it, I can only think of the Ricky Lake movie called Baby Cakes. Because that's the opening song to that movie. This was the number one chart topper in 1962. Stayed there five weeks, just like its predecessor, Sherry. And also used quite often in Happy Days. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. It's a great song. I love it. It's great. No. It's fantastic. The songs they chose from this period are, yeah. Oh, yeah. Next up, Where Are You Tonight by Tom Johnston. Now, you wouldn't have no idea what the song is, except that it's it's the song that's playing before they walk into the dance thing mm-hmm. when she's meeting yes. Billy oh, with the it. watermelons. Where are you tonight? This mm. is an original song for the soundtrack. Tom Johnston was an original founding member of the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. Huh. See, so I was that right. That one it's did not... not sound as out of place. <laughs> Makes sense for a doobie. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. For a doobie. Yeah. Which doobie you be? Oh, God. <laughs> Next up, <laughs> probably my pick for number one on this whole soundtrack. 
The Contours with Do You Love Me. And now I'm back to let you know I can really shake them down. And not so ready good. for how they use it in this movie. It's so good. So it's got a good, good beat. Uh, it's got a good beat. It's, it's got a really good beat. So this one actually has a really interesting story. This was written in 1962 for Gordy Records, which was then a oh. subsidiary of Motown. Yeah. Barry Gordy had not become the legend Barry that he Gordy. was. So Barry Gordy wrote this song himself, and he wrote it for The Temptations. That makes sense. Oh. But when he went to go get them to record it, they were nowhere to be found. I think they were on tour. So he runs into the contours and he says, I've got an immediate hit. We need to put it out. Will you record (laughs) it? And the contours hugged him. They were about (gasps) to get dropped from their label. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And they had a surefire hit. That's amazing. That sounds awesome. It hit number three on the charts. Barry Gordy's quote was, it was recorded R&B, but by the time they reached the half million mark, it was considered pop. And if we hadn't recorded it with a Negro artist, it would have been considered rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. And this was one of the songs that Dirty Dancing in particular repopularized. They wound Mm -hmm. up re-releasing it, and it hit number 11 on the charts. Ronnie Spector and Bill Medley along with the contours, did a Dirty Dancing tour. Mm. And... I would go to that. I would. Mm, totally. As Jen and Micah have heard, but Diana has not, and I will play it for her later, there is an extended oh, dance remix. Oh, Don't why? do that to your wife. Why? That's not nice. Why did you bring that <laughs> into my life, David? You're supposed to love me. Extended dance Clearly remixes can be really interesting. They can be really good. This one is not. This one isn't. Oh, this is not an example of that. Interesting. It's no, very it's not. interesting. No, it's not. Someone discovered the high pass filter that week really bad. and ruined an amazing fucking song with a good beat. Yeah, no, it's very bad. So that song flows right into Love Man by Otis Redding. Yes. Hmm. God, I love that. That might be my number one. It's slightly anachronistic. It is. This song was recorded in 1967 and released in 1969 um, after he died. Oh. Well, did not know that. It features Booker T and the MGs as his backing band, which they were the backing band for everybody. Green Onions, you know them. Peaked at number 72 on the Hot 117 for R&B, but it is one of the most badass songs on the track. That line where the music cuts out. It's just out of control good. And again, the way they use it in this movie also. Yeah. Yeah. We have maybe the most unexpectedly sexy moment is Stay by Maurice Williams and the Zodiacs. This song has hit big more for other artists than this band. This is from 1960, and it did not hit big, but it was a big hit for The Hollies, Frankie Valli and the Seasons, Dave Clark Five, and Jackson Brown in the 70s. We get Wipeout by the Surfaris randomly in the middle mm-hmm. of this movie. 
<laughs> but it works so well for that montage. It really does with her trying to figure out how to dance. Uh, hit number two on the Hot 100, this song. That song's great. And it has appeared in TV and film at least once a decade since its original release. Oh, yeah. Time for one of our actual hit singles, Eric Carmen with Hungry Eyes. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't mind that song in that scene for whatever reason. I don't think they did it very well because it, it wasn't supposed to be the song they were dancing to and they mm-hmm. didn't make that clear enough. I don't know why. Why did, why? I mean, it's a good 80s song. For a song from the 80s, it's good. It does sound like it's like five years older than 1987, but. But it's like, why? I guess I just don't understand anytime you have a movie that's so specifically set in a period, you know? That... Well, I think they're also trying to appeal to teens in yeah. 1987. Right. And so they wanted to have some and more those contemporary sounding music. And... Yeah. By getting the guy who is best known for the song All By Myself. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. But this one hit number four on the Hot 100. It did pretty well. So mm. good for them. Yeah. We also have Overload by Zappa Costa. Uh-huh. Okay. Which yeah. the only thing I have to say about the song is it sounds exactly like a bad ripoff of Sledgehammer. <laughs> it <laughs> like, does. It's just Sledgehammer. Thank you. That's yep. exactly. I was. I couldn't think of what it was, but every time I hear that, I'm like, this just sounds like something else. Yeah. Next up, we have "Hey Baby" by Bruce Channel. Of course, this song is mostly known for being a staple of high school bands while they play at football <laughs> games. Mm-hmm. But also, it was a number one hit for three weeks, and it has a fun story attached to it. It features a guy by the name of Delbert McClinton on harmonica. And according to certain sources, when he was touring in the UK with the Beatles, he met John Lennon and gave him some tips. And John Lennon reportedly used those tips for the songs Love Me Do and Please Please Me. Hmm. This is where John Lennon got his uh, skills on harmonica. Nice. Okay. Apparently, this is included in certain releases as one of the songs he kept on his personal jukebox. Okay. Huh. Uh, That makes sense. I can see the connection with those, yeah. We have Cry to Me by Solomon Burke, the closest we get to a sex scene. So good. (laughs) Oh, my God. So good. Such a good song for that scene. Many critics consider this the first soul recording. Huh. Hmm. It was recorded under the R&B moniker, but the way that he sang it and the way that he did it is the first sort of soul style that we'd ever seen. Mm. And the Rolling Stones covered this in Mm. 1965. We have the Shirelles with the opposite song that I was talking about earlier from Track Meet, Will You Love Me Tomorrow? Oh, Oh, yeah. Which is a perfect post-sex scene song. It it is. Yes. It is. Yes. It's a little on the nose, but they do it really well. Of course, classic written by Jerry Goffin and Carole King, released in 1960, number one hit, the first song by a black all-girl group to hit number one on the charts. Mm-hmm. Cool. We have Love is Strange by Mickey and Sylvia. Mm-hmm. I love that song. <laughs> this one's really interesting. It was written by Bo Diddley. <laughs> and he's credited under his hmm. wife's name. I don't know. Weird. That is weird. It was originally released in 1956. This is a cover version later on. Buddy Holly, the Everly Brothers, Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood, Wings, and Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton have all covered this song. Mm -hmm. Wow. And the riff has been used for tons of music because it's such a Bo Diddley Mm -hmm. riff. 
that mm. tons of garage rock bands have used that guitar lick. So it's mm-hmm. crazy how influential this song is. Yeah, I didn't know that. And it's been inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame as a major influence on rock and roll. Okay, it's fantastic. I just love that scene so much. It yeah, is a good oh, one. it's perfect. We have Yes by Mary Clayton. This is the song yeah. that plays mm-hmm. over the end credits. <sighs> yeah. I don't know why this song is on the soundtrack. It's so right? bad. Yeah. It why? makes no sense. Why? This is the one song where I went, you couldn't have found a 60s song. Right. The other ones I off. get or because just, you're trying to get a hit single. Or replay one of them. You've already picked a time. I just know. like replay yeah. one or just play yeah. an instrumental yeah. of something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We get In the Still of the Night by the Five Satins. Oh, yeah. No, God, there's so many good songs. Jesus. That, of course, being a classic doo-wop song, only hit number 24, and famously covered by Boys to Men. Yeah. Mm. Their version slaps. <laughs> mm. It does. <laughs> and Boys we round out with two originals. Oh, God. We get She's yeah. Like the Wind by Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Yep. So did he write this, too? No, I don't believe so. No. I believe it was written by a lot of the same people that were doing the score and stuff. Okay. okay. Uh, but this song actually hit number 40 on the Hot 100, number 27 in Canada, and number one on Adult Contemporary. Oh, God. Oh, it's so Adult Contemporary. Mm-hmm. It is. Oh, it's it the is perfect oh, Adult is. Contemporary song. I'm going to say this. Number one, his voice is pretty good. It's not bad. He yeah. does not embarrass mm-hmm. himself, but the song is not very good. And what's kind of cool is the B-side to this was Stay by Marie Smith and the Zodiacs. Mm-hmm. So by doing that, huh. they also got one of the 60s songs as a B-side. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. They didn't do that with all the singles, but their two biggest ones, they actually did do that. Okay. It's just another, like, why for me. I don't understand why this song exists and why it exists in this movie. I don't get it. I, the lyrics are... I don't mind the, the way the song sounds. And I guess it, it fits the mood of the scene, but it's like, I don't know. Those lyrics are so bad. And finally, Bill Medley and Jennifer Warren's doing I've Had the Time of My Life. Of course, the big <sighs> winner was a number one mm-hmm. hit on both Hot 100 and Adult Contemporary. Mm-hmm. It charted twice cool. in the UK after its initial release. And also when this hit TV in 1991, it went back on the charts at number eight. Wow. Wow. Love is Strange was the B-side to this single. It won, of course, an Oscar, but it also won a Golden Globe and a Grammy. And the thing I kept figuring out, I was like, okay, who are these people? Bill Medley is one of the Righteous Brothers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who you remember from Top Gun. Oh, God. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yes. But classically great voice. Bill Medley's legendary. Yeah, yeah and it sounds like, it. I mean, every time I see this, it just makes me feel like Top Gun, like the Righteous Brothers. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Yeah. I just didn't fit with that. And Jennifer Warnes has done a lot of different stuff, but she's also well known for being a collaborator of Leonard Cohen. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Oh, wow. So she's a very good recording artist. And she said she would only do it if Bill Medley would sing along with it. Cool. Nice. So they got two good people for that song. Yeah, yeah. I need to get a better attitude about that song. <laughs> I need to be able to separate it from the movie, and I it's, I don't, I can't. I think you're absolutely right. It makes no sense in the context of the movie. As its yeah. own song, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, uh, I just can't I can't separate it from this movie or from the 80s. Yeah. Because oh, it's it. just so... Well, it is from the 80s. I know. So you don't need just, to separate it, it from the 80s. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> so there you go. That's one less separation you have to do. Thanks. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> well, that's all I've got on soundtrack. 
Well, that's it for that's it for the movie. It's time to rate this. So we always have a rating system. Mm-hmm. Yep. For this one, it's gonna be how many times of your life have you had? No. <laughs> yes. How many corners? No. Does baby not fit in? No fucking corners. I was gonna say watermelons because my favorite well, line ooh, is, um, that's true. I carried a watermelon. <laughs> I carried okay. a watermelon. How many watermelons? <laughs> I will go with okay. watermelons. All right, Diana's gonna start. You've seen this movie before. Yes. Out of five watermelons, I'm gonna give it a four. This movie holds up. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it again. It's got a great soundtrack. I'm I'm into it. It's a four. Let's go to Micah next. I want to give it three watermelons just because they there are three watermelons in that scene. Um, <laughs> you can go. You can go portions of watermelons. I I want to go four watermelons as well. Right. It, the dancing is so good and it holds up so well. And whatever issues I have with the music are. Minimal. Just so tied to the time when it came out yeah. that I think other people won't have that many issues with it and won't be so nitpicky. And I talked myself into four because I think it works with her telling the story and retelling it and all, it all being in her like head. That. So I do like that that theory a lot. Mm-hmm. Jen, okay. how many watermelons? <sighs> well, I don't want to do the same as everybody else, so I'm going to do 4.5. I'm going higher because I love it so much. <laughs> and that's, that's the reason. And there you go. <laughs> that's, okay, that's, that's it. totally fair. <sighs> now there's peer pressure. <laughs> I do. I do feel like I need to say within like ten minutes of the movie day. Well, we're gonna watch this every year for my birthday now. <laughs> oh, like, wow! That only took this. You long. have to. Here's what I'm gonna do. Since this is my first viewing, and I intend to watch this more and get more perspective out of it for a first mm-hmm. time seeing it. It's a three and a half. Hmm. Okay. And the reason for that is what I talked about, the criticism of missing certain plots in the story that mm-hmm. f- don't feel like anybody's fault, but it feels like we missed a ton of context that would make this a really great movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having yeah. Th- that in the back of my mind, I may get more of that as I watch it more. Mm-hmm. But on an initial viewing, you're missing some pieces that don't add up at the end of the movie to make me feel like we've earned certain parts of of the resolution of the story that being said it's still overshadowed by all the greatness that swayze and jennifer gray bring and the dancing yeah yeah Yeah. if people want to hear more of jen and micah where can they find y'all uh we have a podcast it's called i never saw that you can find us you know the places where you find podcasts um (laughs) i'm on i'm on twitter at never saw that pod and i'm on twitter at micah shelton so, at me because I love added. it. Um, he only has eighty-two <laughs> followers. So if you guys, if people could please follow him, uh, then I wouldn't have to hear about it all the time. Um, Just following <laughs> me, right? Just boost the follower count. <laughs> you don't have to pay attention to him. Exactly. Right. That's no, what I did. Yeah, and we have a Facebook group, and uh, we're on Instagram, and yeah, come and and we had Diana and David on our show once. We talked about Weezer. We're gonna have them on again. All right. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having us. This was so fun. fun. Yeah, this was fun. So that was amazing. Next week. Next week, we're doing Roadhouse. Roadhouse. All right. Until next time. Bye, everybody.
Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I just did a little research, and um, I'm not going to tell you my methods, but um, <laughs> your research this methods? movie it's premiered Google, on guys. David's actual birthday, and um, principal filming began on the day he was conceived. So, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, okay. I cannot understand why you okay. I cannot. I am so asking David's mother this. <laughs> <laughs> I am so asking. Micah went, went real... real. Micah went real dark web on this one. That's Uh, amazing. Thank you so much Mm -hmm. for bringing that to my life, Mm -hmm. Micah. (laughs) I cannot wait to ask David's mother about that. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I think it might be just as hard to find the date of principal photography for Dirty Dancing as it would be to find out the date of conception. That's, I'm so excited about life right now. I broke David. I love it. This this is so happy for me. I'm just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I avoided an episode. <laughs>